Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. Today, I will be sharing my interview with Bradley Kirkston. I reached out to my colleagues at Kent State University, and Dr. Kathy Walker connected me with Bradley. Thanks for the recommendation, Dr. Walker. Bradley earned a master's degree in public administration and a bachelor's degree in human development and family studies with a concentration in youth development from Kent State University. He is currently the senior director of J-Kids and Special Projects at the Jewish Community Center of Greater Baltimore. In this episode, he discusses how he found the field of HDFS and his professional experiences to date. As is true for all interviews on this podcast, Bradley's views are his own as a private citizen and do not reflect the views of his current, former, or future employers. Without further ado, here's his interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, Bradley. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, could you first tell me a little bit about how you first found the field of HDFS? Great. Thank you. So I started off at Kent State as a uh, middle school education major. Uh, And I always, I've worked with kids essentially since I was 16 years old, and I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And um, during my sophomore year, uh, all education majors, middle school education majors had to take a youth development course that's part of HDFS. Um, And I really, I just found that class fascinating. And at the same time, I started having second thoughts about being a teacher. I knew I wanted to work with kids, but I didn't think I wanted to be in a classroom. And it kind of just was, you know, perfect timing that it all worked out that I took this class. I found out about the school of HDFS, the the major itself. Um, And I met with my advisor and kind of told her at the time, like what I was feeling, what I was thinking. And she said to me, she's like, I think HDFS is much better for you. It gives you more time to kind of figure out what you want to do. But also if you're enjoying these classes, then I think you're going to enjoy this major. And it was the best decision I ever made. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, those uh, early classes, they're so much fun. They're so interesting. And so a lot of people get hooked that way, <laughs> you know, yeah, for taking sure. the class. Um, mm-hmm. And so tell me about your experience, you know, as you're progressing through the major, tell me what your experience with the classes um, is like. Um, and just also let me know a little bit more about your college experience, like um, what you were doing inside of the classroom, outside of the classroom, if you worked, if you were involved in any organizations. Yeah, so I think um, I'm actually gonna start with the last question and go back around. Sounds because good. I, you know, uh, for those of you listening who don't know about Kent State University, it's in Kent, Ohio, and I am born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, when I started at Kent, I think it was something like 87% in-state. So it was very random that I found Kent State in general, you know, just through like college searches and through high school, uh, Kent State just kept coming up. And I knew the history, obviously, of Kent State. Um, And I, you know, just wanted something different. I knew I remember thinking when I was 12 years old, I wanted to get out of the state. I never thought I'd end up in Ohio, Mm -hmm. but I did. Um, And so I got to Ohio and um, I am happy to say I had like a corny college experience where I met my four best friends the first day of college and I'm still best friends with them now. Um, so I, you know, I had a really great, uh, group of friends and a great support system while I was in college. Um, and I'll talk about outside the classroom first is I, you know, was heavily involved in, uh, Hillel, which is the Jewish student union, um, at Kent state It's called the Cone Jewish student center. Um, and that's where I met a really group, a great group of friends. I not only worked there, but I was also, you know, a student leader there. And it really was my home away from home, especially, you know, not be being Jewish and not being with my family on the Jewish holidays. It became a really important place for me to go. 
Chicago, a really important place for me to feel connected to, to my Jewish community, but also to meet new people. Um, and it also was like fun being the outsider, you know? I remember this wasn't an HGFS course, but I was in a course and the college professor made like an Ohio joke where like something about uh, living in Northeast Ohio and everyone laughed except for me because I didn't understand the joke. Yeah. And that was like, that, that was like really funny for me. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what the joke was? I, it was something about some river in Ohio. I don't remember the exact details. It's been yeah. a long time. But like everyone thought it was so funny. And I was like, could someone give me some context? Yeah. Um, so like that was cool. I never had that experience before. So that was like a really entertaining, uh, fun thing for me. Um, and like it was just it was different being the outsider it was different like hearing about chain restaurants that I didn't have in where I'm from uh you know even my friends always give me a hard time because there was a convenience store called Speedway that I loved because I never had it before like small <laughs> things like that like was fun for me uh because everything was new um and and that was fun and like I got to on like Memorial Day Labor Day weekend breaks I would always like go to one of my friend's house who lived like a half an hour away yeah um so that was really fun and it was a really great experience and um jumping ahead a little bit but i ended up coming back to baltimore and i really think that if i didn't leave i don't think i would have come back i think i would have gone i would have gone to college in ohio in baltimore and then left so i think it all happened for a reason and i i just loved being in ohio for those four years yeah um and then in the classroom so for me my experience and i absolutely loved it i was definitely one of the few males in all my classes mm. um in, in being an hdfs major and i always thought that was really interesting i always thought that gave me an opportunity especially in discussions you know in hdfs classes you have a lot of discussions about things right I always felt really validated and people wanted to hear my opinion because i was different because i was a male um and i could give that i could give that opinion um and it also allowed me to experience different things and to really like push myself outside of my comfort zone like i remember i i don't remember which class it was a it was another like teenage development class. I don't remember the exact title. And the professor asked us to do a project. It's, they said, do it on something you really don't know about. So this sounds funny, but I decided to do it on periods because if I'm going to work with teens, I need to know about periods. True. Um, so I did a whole presentation. I actually found a video of, of a dad talking to his daughter, like a single dad talking to his daughter about a period and compared it to like what my experience would be. And like, you know, my work, my work now, I, not unfortunately, but in a weird way, I deal with girls getting their periods for the first time a lot. Yeah. Um, and I always think back to that presentation and you know, the teacher coming up to me and telling me like how amazing that was that I did that presentation and hold it, the whole class like really enjoyed it because it was something different and it was something outside uh, my comfort zone at least. Yes, well, um, I mean, I've got a lot of things like, first of all, I do think it was so cool that you really um, leaned into the experience of being the outsider in yeah. Ohio, you know. Um, you know, I think some people, they would feel really kind of intimidated by it or, you know, it, it might make them feel more homesick, but it's really cool that you were able to just kind of lean into it for that four years and, and kind of soak everything in, even the speedway. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> um, the, um, and, and then in terms of the presentation, that really speaks to this point of you do kind of get out of your learning experience, what you're willing to put into it. Mm -hmm. really thought very critically about, hey, you know, I at that point you knew that you were interested in working with youth and sort of thinking about how can I challenge myself? Um, how can I really push the limits and push myself and do something that's gonna be really valuable to me potentially in the future and kind of feel it, fill a gap in my knowledge. So I think that that is really um, 
cool that you kind of uh, went outside of the box. I'm sure that it wasn't necessarily easy to stand up and give a presentation as one of the few males in that room on periods. But I think it's great that you pushed yourself and, and thought outside of the box that way and went beyond your comfort zone. Of course, yeah, it was a great experience. So I was happy I did it. Yeah, and so you mentioned that you worked at Hillel. Am I mm -hmm. saying it right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so what type of work did you do there while you were in college? So yeah, I did a combination of everything. I would sit at the front desk. I would set up for Shabbat dinners for events. I would help with like mailings. I would uh, engage students in different programming. I love even even at that age, and it went into my work now. I love like I love the whole idea of engagement and planning meaningful programs yes. um, for for people of all ages. So that's I really got a great experience working at Hillel and being able to do programs, even if it's simple as you know a bagel brunch before the semester starts or a barbecue to plan. Just to get kids involved or even if it's um you know one of the one of the common things that we would do is like coffee meetups with different with especially like freshmen to, to to let them know about you know what halal had to offer for jewish students um and even like one of my favorite things to do in college and even to do now was when non-jewish students would have to a lot of times like in college uh students would have to do to take like a religion course and have to do something about uh judaism or anywhere and would choose judaism and they would come and i would get to talk to them in it and kind of uh give them perspective on on why we existed and what we did and that was always a really great experience to me because i just love talking about this kind of stuff um and to me, the work at Hillel kind of mirrored a lot of the things I was learning about in my HDFS classes, because HDFS, in, in a way, is so much about engagement in so many yes. different ways. So um, it just, it all, so many of the things in college for me kind of all morphed together and all like helped me on my journey of my college experience because everything like connected and that was really important to me. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you definitely had a really cohesive experience. Yeah. And you mentioned you met those four um, of your best friends uh, on the first day. Did you meet them through this job or did you go to one of those events? No. Okay. No, even 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 cornier actually. Our dorm rooms were all right next to each other. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, like that's how corny it was that all of our door, we were like literally in the same hallway all right next to each other and just started hanging out on day one and just never stopped. Oh, well. Um, but, hey, yeah. that is a great story. And yeah, uh, sure. hey, uh, no corny or not, I mean, it's so <laughs> cool to meet friends like at the beginning of your college experience. Yeah. I know one of my very best friends um, uh, to this day, I met her on the first day of orientation. And so then we ended up rooming together all four mm -hmm. years and our families are very close now. So exactly. um, it's awesome yep. when you get to have a positive experience mm -hmm. like that, as opposed to like a negative one. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Okay, so tell me a little bit about um, toward the, the end of your college experience. So are you, you're winding down your experience. Are you required to do some sort of internship um, for your program? So at the time, there was not like a real internship I had to do. Okay. Um, I think I think that program has now changed, but there was no real internship. Um, I think my last semester, I actually graduated in December. I did four and a half years. I took, uh, you know, my final five classes. Uh -huh. um, and during that time, during that semester, I had kind of made the decision that I, that I you know, really wanted to use my major as much as possible because I love this type of work. Uh -huh. And I really wanted to work with youth and teens. And since I was, when I was 16 years old, I started working at a summer camp at the place I actually work at now, the Jewish Community Center of Greater Baltimore. I started working there as a camp counselor and I just loved it from day one. 
I loved it from day one. And in, in high school, I continued to work at the JCC when I would, um, uh, when I would during in high school after school and on the weekends and stuff. And then once I got to college, anytime for summer break or even winter break, I would come home and I would work. Um, and I made the decision about my last semester that I wanted to work at a JCC. Uh, but for those who don't know, there's a network of about 160 JCCs all over the country, um, especially in big cities. Um, um, and so I made the decision I wanted to work at, at a JCC. When I started my last semester in college, I actually did not think I would end up coming back to Baltimore, mm -hmm. where I live now and where I'm from. Um, so I really, I remember talking to a couple of my professors and let them know the work because I had expressed throughout my time that I wanted to get into like the Jewish nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to work at a JCC. I did not, want to, there was no particular reason. I just knew I didn't want to work at a synagogue or something like that. I wanted to work at a Jewish community center. Um, so I, this was another like crazy story. I it was, it was like October of my last semester. Um, I almost started applying to different JCCs. Um, and I got a phone call from somebody that was working at the Baltimore JCC at the time and said, you know what, Brad, we're ready for you to come back to Baltimore and we have the, a perfect job for you. And my first job out of college was being the middle school coordinator and running all the middle school programs at uh, the Jewish Community Center. Um, and I just remember telling all my professors and they were all like, this was perfect for you. This is exactly what you've been talking about right. for so many years. And you actually got to do what you wanted to do. Um, and I just remember, especially my first year of working and really every year, I, there's so many of those lessons I learned in HDFS, like of just even how to talk to kids or how to talk to coworkers that I will just never forget. And it's like, there's not many people, I'm sure, that their first job was so connected to their major, and I was so lucky to have that experience. Um, and it was just my last semester became so much more fun and so much more meaningful because I had two months left and already knew what I, I had a full time job lined up. Yes. And I mean, not only connected to your major, but. Yeah connected to what you wanted to do within your major, <laughs> like specifically, you wanted to work at a JCC and this specifically 100%. was the one. And so you had maintained that, I mean, it also speaks to your work ethic and your ability mm -hmm. to, to uh, develop and maintain positive relationships, clearly, because you started working there as a teenager, clearly sure. did a good job, continued to grow as an employee there and, mm -hmm. you know, left a positive lasting impression, even when you were in whole, Ohio, you were still able to maintain that connection. Yeah. So that is wonderful. Um, so tell me about, um, you, you graduate, you finish up, you move back to Baltimore. Tell mm -hmm. me about what your first, I guess, full-time position is like, what daily life is like. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about how you adjusted from being a college student to being yeah. in the workforce. For sure. Um, so, so for me, you know, the, one of the first things that I learned very quickly is if you're going to work in, I, I like to call this informal education, because we really are doing informal education with the kids right. outside of the classroom. So if you're gonna do that, you gotta work a lot of weekends and a lot of nights. Um, I was prepared for that, but it's still, especially when you're an entry level position, there was definitely some weeks where I was working Saturday, Sundays, and probably three or four nights in the week wow. um, doing programming. And look, I loved it because I loved the programming, but like it took me a, probably a solid year to balance work and having a personal life yes. um, and being able to say no to things and being able to say no to kids. Yeah. Because what, so kind of explaining my first job is I was the middle school coordinator. What I was really responsible for was 
was engaging middle schoolers in all sorts of different programming, leading like a, 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 a program leadership council with teens, running monthly Saturday night programs, which I knew ahead of time. But the joke I used to always say is I would always get I would only get asked for plans when I already had a program on a Saturday night. <laughs> like my friends would only contact me when I was already busy. Um, and then and then like running one of the summer camps at the time. And it was great. But like I had to learn that like a teen might have a great program, but if 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 I don't have the time or I don't have the bandwidth or it's going to interfere with something that I really want to do in my personal life. It's okay to say no to teenagers. Right. Um, and it's okay to, to, to set limitations with your work. And I think, you know, for me, I'm sure all the listeners can tell I'm a very passionate person mm -hmm. and I really love my work, but, and it was really hard for me at first to be able to say, you know what, like I, I actually have to step away. I can't stay at work till 10 o'clock at night, every single night. Right. Um, like I have to, I have to go home. I have to change. Like I, I can't do this anymore. Right. Um, and, and I think that not only did that help me in my personal life, but it really helped other professionals look at me in a different way. Cause I wasn't always, I didn't always have to be the guy that was always at work all the time. Right. Right. Um, I mean, and I think that that just took time. What'd you say? I think it just took time to kind of get, get me to that position. Yes. Yes. I mean, once you begin to value your time, then, sure. you know, you demand that others, not in a bad demand, but, no, but yeah. others begin to value your time as well, for sure. And it's, if you're just giving it away willy nilly, then it doesn't seem very valuable. Um, but yeah, once other people kind of know, then you can balance your needs with theirs. And it is good. Yeah. For um, even working with youth. I mean, it's super mm -hmm. important for them to know, to understand boundaries and um, for them to have a model of um, someone engaging in self-care themselves as well. Um, you know, some of the, the best lessons we learned are by observing other people. Um, so sure. I'm sure that was a great lesson for them. It continues to be a great lesson for them. Also, speaking of this balance, so since you do have to work so many nights and weekends, are you, are you able to take any sort of, um, I don't know, compensation in terms of time um, during other days throughout the week? For sure. So one of the, one of the opportunities and struggles of working at a community center is you know, uh, we're, we're open from 5.30 a.m. till 10 o'clock at night okay. uh, most days. So, yeah, so there'll be days where I would come in at, like, two in the afternoon and work to 10 o'clock at night. Like, I, I, we have a great culture here uh, where there's, we're very flexible. Okay, we're very, good. very flexible. Um, and it's great, but, like, especially when you're a young professional, you feel that pressure. Oh, I have to be here every day. So right. that's part of it. That's part of understanding, like, oh, it's okay to leave the building and go for lunch. Uh, if you're working a long day, it's okay to, you know, to come in late and run some errands and come back, right. um, you know, it, it, and I think that, and I talk about this a lot of times when I talk to new professionals, it's like, don't be intimidated to stand up for yourself and don't be intimidated to set your own schedule and just, and just communicate when you're working. But yeah, I was very lucky that I could flex my time um, and, and be, but again, like just with, just like what I was saying, like it still took me time to get used to that and time to understand that and time to take advantage of that. Right. Right. You had to, you know, kind of, uh, get your footing and, and feel kind of yeah. comfortable, feel like you have the license to do so. But then, um, but that's also, it's great that you have a good culture because that really is mm -hmm. the key. You know, you can have the policies in place, but if the culture does not match, then, you know, employees won't feel safe. So that's great that you all have, you know, you're able to do that in terms of policy wise, but then also you have a great culture yeah. um, that's supportive of you engaging in self-care as well um, and not working 24 <laughs> seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, how long did you stay in the middle school director position? 
Great. So I was in that job for about roughly about three and a half years in that position. Okay. Roughly. Okay. Yep. And so then how did you then transition out of that role? So I, so basically what happened is more and more responsibility kept getting added to me that kind of just as, as much as I want to say I got out of the world at role first, as much as the kind of transition to being the, uh, the team director at the uh, time. Okay. Um, and kind of overseeing all programming, not just for middle school. And then from there, we, uh, I was kind of able to go to more of a supervisory role where I hired a middle school person to do the more hands-on programming. And then I was kind of doing more of the overall team programming and kind of working on partnerships and other fun things. And I did that for about four years-ish, give or take a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as much as I loved working with teens, there came a time in my life where I, I, working with teens was was great, but I needed a change. Right. Um, and I, I could tell my skill set was kind of changing a little bit. And then I was kind of lucky that things fell into place, that I was able to come work with younger kids, uh, be a little more involved in the summer camp, but also get to work a little more on the logistical side of things. Because as much as I love doing programming, I also have like this logistical mind where I like doing, you know, setting up backend things and really being more of the support for the programmers. Right. Uh, and I was able to kind of move into that, which is kind of my current role now. And tell me what your day-to-day life looks like well, actually, I'm, I'm a little bit interested in this intermediary role. So when Great. your role expanded, yeah. then eventually you were able to hire someone else mm-hmm. to kind of do some of the previous duties with your middle school director position. Yeah. So then, yes. Yeah, so what did you start to dip your toe into at that time? Like, what are some of those uh, more behind the scenes logistical things that you started doing during that time period? Great. So one was, and it's something I really love doing, uh, is is um, helping, helping, especially young staff, but especially the staff I supervise, understand what a nonprofit budget really is. Yes. And how it's still, you still can make money um, as a nonprofit, but how the, like, kind of understanding that relationship of nonprofits still have to make money to survive type of stuff. Right. And I, I loved, I loved playing that role. And the other thing that I really loved doing, and I think this goes back to my, um, uh, you know, being an HTFS major, was community partnerships, uh, you know, and I really got to focus for about two years on building community partnerships and uh, building a network of other people that do similar work, Jewish and non-Jewish, that we can all help each other out. You know, um, it's as simple as building a partnership with driving schools. You know, we have the teens, you have a program that our kids are going to need. How can we work together and give a discount? Like you know, a small thing like that, that just builds us up and builds them up. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. I love the whole idea of partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like, you know, we can only provide so many programs for our teens. How can I provide more, like, how can I find programs to support our teens, even if it's not with us, but it, but, uh, it helps them grow and develop. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a true passion of mine and something that I really got to experience. Um, and really like for me, having a staff, being, being a first-time supervisor took some time. I had to learn how to let go of things, especially when someone takes over a program that you ran. 
uh, it takes a little bit to understand that like they're not going to run it the same way as you. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. And they might do it better and they might do it worse, but it's uh, they have to fail on their own. Um, and, you know, especially my first year being a supervisor, that took up a good amount of my time because the person I hired was also a new person and was right out of college. So there was a, not handholding, but there was a lot of guidance I had to do in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really was for about two or three years of kind of building that up, but also helping to build the department and we were able through that during that time to uh to get a huge grant to kind of really expand our team programming um and i was really proud to be a part of that and really help build that oh that's great and so with mm-hmm. a with a huge grant to expand but um you were you on the grant writing side of that or you're more on the program development side so i was more in the, at the time i was more in the program development side okay um which was great i really excited about that i was really excited about that at the time i really got to help i got to go to lots and lots and lots of meetings <laughs> um but it was it was a great experience and it was something that i was i got to help kind of build the the grant out for the first year, year or two of it and that was that was a really great experience cool Okay, so now tell me a little bit about um, your position now and your daily, your day-to-day work now. So the one thing about me that I learned is I like to dip my toes in lots of different areas. Nice. Um, and I think I think right now when you hear my job, it does it. It's funny. It doesn't really all mesh together. But it, it, but anyone who knows me knows my personality knows that it meshes together because that's who I am. Yeah. So a, a big part of it is during the year. I run all of our children's programming at, at the Jewish Community Center. So that really uh, goes to a couple of different things. So one is our um, is enrichment classes. So like dance classes and fitness classes and sports classes. And any like after school or weekend programming for kids kind of falls under my umbrella. Um, the other part is we have a huge staff here and we might, you know, we have a fitness department. We have other people that do children's programming that I get to bring together as a part of a team, part of the J Kids management team. And we kind of get to work together to build large scale programs and also know what each of us are working at, you know, and to, and to make sure if someone's planning a fitness class, it's not the same time as an art class. So we're not competing against each other. Right. Um, yeah. I get to do that. And then the other thing that I get to do is, you know, hands-on programming for children. So uh, running after school programs, like, like where we pick up from school. This previous year during COVID, I got to run an incredible program that I never thought in my wildest dreams would run, where the kids brought their school devices to the JCC and did their virtual school learning so their parents could go to work. Uh, we would have classrooms set up following all COVID guidelines where kids did their schoolwork every single day. Um, wow. And it was by far the most meaningful program I've ever ran in my whole entire life. It was the weirdest program I ever <laughs> ran in my whole entire life. Um, helping kids, you know, log on to Google Meet and stare at a screen of other students. But it was it was such a meaningful and, and, and great program. Um, so that's one part of my portfolio is running the children's programming. Uh, the other part that kind of that's related to that is we have a very large summer camp. And since, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I've been working at summer camp at the summer camp since I was 16 years old. This is actually my 17th summer working at camp. Wow. Um, and I get to serve the role as the logistic as the operations director. And what that means as the operations director is I oversee, I like to say all the fun stuff, but it's really all the behind the scenes stuff. So it's all the scheduling. It's all of like our runners who help set up camp. I get to actually set up camp and build out um, all of our setups. I get to work with all of the specialists who are like our, our, our gym teachers and our art teachers and all that kind of stuff. I get to work with all of them. I get to work with, um, it's funny because for a couple of years I didn't work with the teen staff. And now of course, again, I work with the teen staff <laughs> and I, I oversee the, the teen uh, summer camps and I 
I really just get, uh, get a uh, great opportunity to see all the behind the scenes stuff and create all the systems in place that allows the counselors, the kids, the, the unit heads even to be able to serve their kids. And I get to, the kids, the kids know me, but they don't know my job. They don't realize that I'm the one that's creating the schedule and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it's really meaningful when like in May, I create a plan and then in, all, in June and July and August, I get to see that plan being implemented and happen. Um, and then my most fun part of my job now is, although all the parts of my job are fun, is I oversee rentals in both buildings. And that's a part of my skill set that I never got to experience before. Um, and But again, it all goes back to building relationships. And that's where HDFS plays a role in that. Um, because someone calls me and they want to rent out a classroom, I get to call them and I get to be warm and friendly. And you know, some of these are planning big. I, I uh, About a month ago, I had this bridal shower. And that's really meaningful for somebody. Yeah. And I get to help plan it and organize it. And even though I'm not like doing the programming, I'm just renting them a room and, and being like their liaison it's still a meaningful experience because I get to build a relationship and I get to have them have a great experience in, in, in my building. So, yes, you get to enrich so many lives yeah, through your work. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you get to facilitate so many relationships between other people. It's almost like, yeah, sure. uh, you're kind of the, the orchestra director. Here. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I love that. And so um, you've been in this role now, how many years? So this official role as a senior director of J Kids uh, in special projects, about a year and a half now. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, um, I, I think that that's all of the questions I had prepared. Well, oh no. Well, somehow we skipped over your master's program. At what point oh. did you go back to a to and earn a master's at Kent State? So I was very lucky. It was all online. Okay. Um, I it was all online. I was basically that. Uh, thank you for asking me this because basically I left school. I knew I wanted to get a master's, but I really struggled for a long time um, uh, with what I wanted to get my master's in. And no joke, I actually saw about this program because I got a Facebook ad about it. Um, <laughs> and I just logged in and I remember thinking like, okay, this is, I read the description. It's all about like the business side of nonprofit. It's all about nonprofit management. It just kind of makes sense for me to get it. It's a two-year program. It's all online. I had some experience with doing some online classes in college. Um, I was like, this just makes the most sense for me right now. Um, and I, I did it in you know two years. It was uh, fun, it was meaningful classes, uh, but I kind of got to look at this whole, like what is public administration um, and how I can apply that to the nonprofit world was just, it was really, it was really helpful. And, um, you know, I probably should have said this, but it was, it was easy. It wasn't as hard as undergrad. It wasn't as hard as going into the classroom. Um, but I still learned a lot of skills from it. Um, and I was able to, again, apply that to my everyday work. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, I mean, one thing I, me personally, um, my master's degree, I say all the time, that was like my favorite degree that I've, <laughs> yeah. well, because, um, it was the shortest, first of all, yeah. <laughs> but the classes are small. Typically mm -hmm. they're heavy in discussion and all of them are something that is of a strong interest to you. I mean, of course, yeah. a four-year degree is incredibly important because it helps you mm -hmm. to become well-rounded. It exposes you to a lot of things, but you know, by the time you go for your master's, ideally you have some idea about, you know, some of the things that you're very interested in. And so this is going to be very focused on your strong interest. And like you said, this turned out to be a great fit. And it can often be, yes, helpful to have some work experience in the field. So then you know, ultimately, what you want to pursue for graduate school. How long had you been working before you went back for the, the master's degree? 
I, it took me about four years, yeah, four years to go back. Yeah. And so by then you knew, okay, no, I really do like this nonprofit world. Like, yeah. I really like what, and so it, you know, it probably felt super easy to engage because you're very invested in the program to decide to go back after four years when you're already working and kind of doing some of the things that you want to do. And I'm sure that it had a lot of direct relevance to your daily work life and you had a lot to share to enrich the classroom environment. That's another thing that's cool about graduate school. A lot of people have yeah. work experience. So you're able to have these really cool discussions um, related to the work. So I bet that was a lot of fun and I'm glad you had an experience, a good experience with a fully online program as well. For sure, yeah. Um, uh, connected to Kent State. The, uh, those are the only prepared questions I had. So was there anything else that you wanted to share that I didn't ask? Um, and then also, do you have any advice for students or new professionals who maybe are considering going into your field of work? For sure. So I think that what I'll say is I'll kind of answer both questions at once is I, I think that the biggest thing for anyone, especially if you're young to know, is if you were to work with children, being a teacher is not the only way to work with children. Even what I do, being a summer camp is uh, working at a summer camp or working at a community center is not the only way to work with children. And HDFS helped me realize that in all the classes. It's just like, there's so many opportunities and, it's, and it can be such a springboard to so many different uh, careers of being an HDFS. And that's my biggest advice is like, if you know you wanna work with kids, but you don't think you wanna uh, be in a classroom and you want more time to figure it out, do HDFS as your major. Um, it's not just, by the way, it's not just for working with kids, but for me, that's what that's where the strong suit was. Yeah. Um, but also, like, even if you're even if you're uh, working, even if you're going there, like I was, because I wanted to work with kids, take advantage of all the classes. I remember taking um, a gerontology class, and I thought that was so fascinating. I knew I never wanted to work with that uh, with that age group, but I just thought it was really interesting to take that class. Um, and, and the only other thing I would say is ask lots of questions in all your, and become, I felt like, uh, all of my professors that I had for HDFS really wanted to get to know their students and really wanted to help their students as much as possible. Um, so if you're in an HDFS program, please get to know your students, please, you know, do the, do their office time and just get to know them and use them for advice. Um, uh, because most professors have a lot of advice to give, um, and, you know, a shout out to my college professor, Dr. Kathy Walker, who connected me with you, Erica. Yes, um, thank you. And that's because we had such a great relationship and because uh, I was able to bounce ideas off of her. So, uh, you know, you never know how your relationships with your professors will help you. Absolutely. That's all great advice. And I love to, um, I love all of the advice, but especially yeah. what um, stands out to me is the point that, yeah, there's there's not just one way to work with kids. Um, yeah. And it's so important. I mean, obviously teachers are very important. So if you- no, Oh, 100%. For, for people who want to do that, or yeah. take their major, their HDFS mm -hmm. major that way, great. But yeah. I mean, there is, you're able to, um, because you all are open from what, 5.30 to 10. <laughs> I mean, that just <laughs> illustrates how, yeah. um, how you all wrap around the day of uh, a yeah. person's life, you know? And so you all mm -hmm. are able to touch all of those other aspects of their life because we know people are doing more than just going to school and going to work. You know, there are these sure. other um, parts of their lives and you all are able to enrich those areas of their life and really kind of connect and build relationships and nurture relationships within the community um, and within the center right there. So um, yes, that's such important work that you're doing. 
And um, I think it's amazing that, I think it's amazing that you kind of found that spark as a teenager and that it's uh, landed you right where you want to be. 100%. Well, is there anything else that you want to share? No, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving your time on a Thursday evening toward the end of a long week. (laughs) I appreciate it so much. I know students across the country are going to love hearing from you. And um, I just can't thank you enough for giving your time. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at hdfscareers.com. Don't worry if they are not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field. I'm interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they are working outside of academia. If you like this podcast and want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.